Guess what, Andrew? Just because we got a new boss doesn't mean he's not our fucking boss, man. Same as the fucking old boss, dude. So yeah, Harry Bridges was an Australian Boo. native uh, in San Francisco in 1923. He worked as a sailor Justin, Justin, and a longshoreman. Justin, 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 Justin. Justin. <laughs> he was a native Australian. Justin, Justin, Justin. What? This is a time for improv, not a time for learning. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. no learning. No learning. All right, I'm going right. out there. Yeah, you better get out of here because I'm, I'm learning. No! Andrew, I'm learning real hard. Stop teaching people! Andrew's coming out of the booth and no one's learning anything. <laughs> no one is learning. No facts. No one is turning a good song into something bad. <laughs> Nobody's so so learning right about music at all. No one needs to learn. Welcome to Open Improv, everybody. Let's Woo! go over the rules. We're going to do this quick. We're going to get going. Wait, first, uh, this is the only class where the assignments are made up of the grades don't matter. Ah! Hilarious. One. Hilarious. Fuck the rule. Yeah, rule, rule number, number two. two is don't, don't touch the mic. It's very annoying. Rule number three is fuck the rules. rules. Rule, rule number four, four is this is a live studio audience. Everybody is on a microphone here. So you are on a microphone currently. Live studio. Studio. Uh, rule number five. No, no, no one, one gets paid. Except for Muni Radio. I don't like that rule. Uh, rule number six. six. Pick, pick up sticks. sticks. Rule number seven. Uh, all, all dogs yeah, go, go to heaven. heaven. Sure. Rule number eight. Andrew's not straight. Also not true. Rule number nine. Feeling fine. Rule number 10, let's do it again! Rule number one, fuck the rules! Alright, that's good, no, that's good. People are going to think we wrote that, but it was improv. Well, uh, yeah. If we do it every week, now it is written. Well, no. At one time, it was improv. I am mostly illiterate, and therefore cannot read or write. And so, therefore... Does this mic work? Yes, it does. Oh, I'll, written is what I'll move saying. it out. Yeah, stick that out the window, bro. Stick it out the window. Stick it out the window. It yeah, it's on. Sweet. Hey, sweet. And it's like right next to the piano, too. So, you know, that's a, the, the thing. That's the thing. The uh, book of lore relating to Stop it! Don't stop it! I can't stop it! I'm sorry! I don't know what And we're on. Hello! Hi! It's it good. looks like different in here, right? Every t every week weekend we come in, everything's or at least one thing is changed. Yes. So now we have a floor uh, floor mat. Yeah. So now you're not skating around as much? Well, we're not getting trapped in the little uh, holes in the floor that oh, that's are usually. And then the, oh my God, she got rid of most of the cords. Yeah, they did do cleaning in here recently. Yeah, I think probably since the last time we were in here. Looks great. They're keeping it up. It's amazing. It's a great thing. Yes, indeed. So I went to Burger Bula Festival last weekend. How was it? It was really fun. It wasn't too hot, and um, I didn't go all. I didn't go like full day on Saturday. I went like half day, and I think that was good. I think it's good to do if you're going for two or three days. It's it's good to do one day that's half day and yeah. not do the full day for the full time. Yeah, because then it really starts to catch up with you. Oh yeah. But if you know who's playing and who you're interested in seeing, then you can kind of work it in your in your favor and then making time to sit down and be in the shade and get your drink on 
<laughs> which I did my fair share of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the margaritas were pretty good. Oh, they had margaritas? They had margaritas. But they have this thing now where you, if you're drinking, you have to be like in the designated area. You can't oh, interesting. go to the rest of the Maybe that's good. I, sometimes I fucking hate when you're like enjoying the show and you're like pretty, you know, pretty much in the front row. And then some idiot is just like, watch out, I need to leave so I can get more, like six more beers. And then, you know, like, excuse me, sorry, you know, like with the fucking drinks spilling everywhere and shit. Oh, God. I hate it. So I can see how that would be kind of shitty for people who are like planning on getting smashed. Yeah. And then underage drinking, too. It's probably like a legal yeah. thing as well. But, um, and the porta potties had uh, toilet seat covers. That was pretty That's impressive. And um, the it's lineup. It's the little things. Yeah, the little things, exactly. The lineup on Saturday wasn't that amazing. But I saw Red Cross. I saw. Um, they're from like the 80s, 90s, old school. Um, Guitar Wolf. They're from Japan. And they were wearing like Godzilla heads or whatever. Nice. And they were really like energetic and fun to watch. Um, I'd heard of them before, but I don't think I'd ever seen them play live. But they pretty much. They kind of remind me of like the Ramones, like kind of gimmicky a little bit, but I totally appreciated their their energy and honesty in their performance. And then, of course, um, Iggy Pop as the closer on the first night was just absolute insanity. I thought I was going to die, but then when I survived, I was like, well... <laughs> I came close to death and I saw the light. I saw Jesus. <laughs> but it was, it was pretty... Um, that was, I think that's the fourth time I've seen him. I saw him when the original members of the Stooges were still alive, which was just a few years ago. And then um, the last two times I, I've seen him in the past two years. So I feel pretty content, you know, if I never get the chance to see him again, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was just a great performance also. And and then Sunday, there were a couple more bands that I saw on Sunday. And that one I was kind of more on my own, whereas Saturday I was tagging, tagging along with some friends of ours. Um, Sunday I went to all of the booths and I met Sean, who is one of the co-founders of Burger Records. I, I remember, now that I met him, I remember seeing his picture somewhere at some point because he's been... The record label has been in existence for about 10 years. And, um, yeah, he does these, you know, these festivals all around the world, he said, pretty much. It's not just California. It's um, other cities and, you know, other countries. So I thought that's pretty interesting. And I'm always complaining that nobody wants to do an interview. I'm sure he knows somebody that wants to do one. Yeah. <laughs> so that was hopefully um, something will happen there. And, um, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Obviously, the main acts on Sunday were X and the Buzzcocks, and they were both amazing. I've seen them many times before, and they played the same festival before, too, which is funny. Um, oh, that was really fun. But who else did I see that was good? Oh, I saw this band called um, Kintron and Kintron and Miss Pussycat, who I remember they opened for... I was kind of happy to see them because I was like, oh, I remember seeing them like so long ago. They <laughs> opened for the cramps when I went to see the cramps. Oh, okay. So it kind of brought back that, you know, memory. But I think a lot of people were confused 
by them because they're more like they had this theater component i don't know if you saw the the snapchats but there was a point where she was kind of doing this whole like puppet show for like fashion and she's like mimicking the voices for a puppet fashion show and it was very bizarre i enjoyed it but it was was well what else can you expect from a show being hosted by john waters Waters. and that was the other thing just seeing john waters um walk on the stage and introduce bands was pretty fucking weird (laughs) like i felt like if I was doing acid, is this what it would feel like? <laughs> you just feel like having an out-of-body experience every time he walks on stage. Um, but yeah, I wanted to see... Um, I didn't have a chance to see uh, Shannon and the and the Clams because I figured, oh. well, I really want to see X and the Buzzcocks. Yeah. I'm going to be, you know, in the, the, main, stage. the main stage. But yeah. um, no, I caught a couple of bands on Sunday that were good and... I don't know. It was just a a good weekend and overall an A plus experience. Overall an A plus experience. Oh yeah, and then I ran into my my coworker briefly, an old co- coworker on on Sunday, and that was nice too. Just you know, seeing familiar faces. Yeah, it's and getting that big, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's getting pretty big. Yeah, but it was good. It's been a good <laughs> summer so far. I can't complain. Yeah, <laughs> definitely has. And um, more festivals to come. There's uh, Outside Lands is coming up in a couple mm-hmm. weeks. And then there's another festival. Oh, there's it's in San Bernardino. It's more like, it's kind of like old school punk rock. Like Rancid's going to be there. Oh, okay. Cox is going to be there. But then there's some more, you know, bands from that, that era. More hardcore, I want to say. It's called... Kind of like Warped. And they call it It's Not Dead Yet. <laughs> It's not what? The festival's called It's Not Dead Yet, I think, or Not not Yet Dead. Oh, okay. Not Dead Yet. And I'm like, well, you're going to be, so you might as well get it out now. <laughs> yeah. Get the chance to see all the people who are going to be dead soon. But I guess Rancid is a, is a big part of it, so they're one of the headliners. Yeah, and, and they tour a lot, too. Yeah, they do. They're going to be... Um, they're going to be playing in Berkeley, I think, a couple of days before that. They'll be at the Greek Theater with um, Dropkick Murphys. Mm. I love uh, them. Yeah, it would be cool to see Rancid, Rancid again. Mm. It's only been like 20 years since <laughs> I've seen him. But hey, better late than never, right, Tim? <laughs> um, might be going to that. I'm still still on the fence about that. Yeah. That's um, August 26th. That's at the end of August and then um, Riot Fest. That's that's a that's, that's in a, Chicago. That's a big one. That's a three day mm-hmm. festival in Douglas Park in Chicago. And I'm kind of hoping I get to go to that because there's a couple of artists I'd be interested in seeing there. And um, Nine Inch Nails, New Order, uh, Queens of the Stone Age, mm. uh, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, MIA, um, Mike D from the Beastie Boys is doing a DJ set there. Uh, that's just to name a few and then some of the the other usual suspects that you would want to see in here but um we'll see how that goes that's in september and then october is um cal jam the festival that the foo fighters are bringing back from like 1974 (laughs) but um it's all you know bands that are relevant relevant now um but they're headlining it and they're labeling it as kind of their their homecoming or homecoming show or whatever you want to call it and that's at um also in san bernardino not dead yet <laughs> <laughs> they're still alive yeah. but this, that one's called 
Cal Jam, and that one's the first weekend in October, I want to say. So yeah, there's a bunch of shit going on. Um, I don't know. I might be all over the globe, so <laughs> or at least all over like the country, California, yeah. Chicago. We'll see where I end up, but um, no, it's pretty exciting, pretty exciting stuff, and um, it's just the beginning of summer here, so. It is true. It's actually kind of feeling a lot more like actual summer this uh-huh. week mm-hmm. or this weekend, I guess. Yeah. But uh, it's pretty windy still. It's still reminding us it's still the Bay Area and then you still carry a sweater around with you and a scarf and maybe a beanie. <laughs> Just be prepared for that huge gust of cold wind. Yeah. But um, yeah, there seems like a really promising summer slash fall in San Francisco, there's a lot of shows coming up um, in the Fillmore and, you know, f- street festivals. We are going to have the Noise Pop Festival around here, I think. It's on 21st, yeah. actually, right? Mm-hmm. That's coming up. And um, like you said, Outside Lance and Harley Strictly are going to be in town. And, you know, there's no excuse to go out there and just have some fun and dance your dance your uh your yaya's out as they say (laughs) right and if you're just tuning in you're listening to sounds from the street um i am your humble host dj aisha and crystal is on the board as usual and um i'm going to be airing my interview with brown mark from uh, an original member of the revolution the band that Prince um, became really famous for putting together, and a majority of their hits were because of this uh, formation of, you know, this era of of music that he made with these particular people. And they're going to be playing two shows. One of them's already sold out, July 11th and July 12th at the Fillmore. That's next week. And he's also having a special after-party show that you'll want to get tickets for, and that's going to be at the DNA Lounge on the 12th, I believe. So I'm going to be airing that interview at some point today. And in a few minutes, I will be speaking with Alex from The Overlook, and we'll see what uh, they're about and what they've been up to recently. And let's see, what do we have in the news today? They have uh, Game of Thrones is going to be back on the air next week. Nice. So that's been a long time coming. It's like a year hiatus, right? Yeah, it's been about a year. So uh, this is from TheEnemy.com. Watch the throne. <laughs> With just one week to go until season seven, here's how the big dogs down Westeros Way are going to be shaking things up this year. Daenerys Targaryen. The Mad King's daughter has just arrived in Westeros with Lannister. Tyrion? Tyrion? Two armies and three dragons by her side. Anyone who stands in her way is toast. (laughs) Literally. What she wants, justice. Or the Iron Throne. Or both. Sansa Stark and Jon Snow. Oh, my favorite. After reclaiming their northern kingdom, these siblings, well, half-siblings, step-siblings, cousins, it's complicated, <laughs> look set to ally with Daenerys and confront both Cersei and the Night King. What they want to destroy White Walkers and Lannisters alike without once smiling. White Walkers are kind of like zombies or, um, you know, dead people like walking among them mm-hmm. there's a, one episode where it's like wow these are legit zombies and they're gonna kill everyone 
and also Gendry, last seen floating off in a rowing boat in season three. Gendry is finally set to return as the late Robert Baratheon's bastard son. Oh, I remember him. He's the rightful king of Westeros, making him a real threat to Cersei and Daenerys. What he wants, his birthright, if he's found out about it in his three seasons adrift. The Night King dominates the land north of the Wall and plans to banish to bash the barrier down and submerge all of Westeros in endless winter like Narnia for adults. <laughs> what it wants to claim Westeros for CGI creatures. <laughs> and Game of Thrones returns on July 17th, which is just around the corner. And just like 90 days away. Yeah. Get so, on it. So I'm pretty jazzed about that. I somehow became addicted to the show. But I think I'm kind of into those types of shows where they're like they're period pieces but they're not exactly but they're like fantasy but they're fantasy they're kind of have their take on it it's not exactly what happened but it's more interesting this is definitely and and there's some there's definitely some female power play going on Mm. (laughs) in case you were wondering and never watched the show there's some powerful female figures going on good we need more shows like that. Mm-hmm. I have Radiohead on the news uh, because, duh. Uh, <laughs> because, duh. Uh, Palestinian activists disrupt Radiohead concert in Scotland. This is out of consequence of sound. Prior to the band's performance of Mixomitosis, Tom York repeatedly exclaimed, quoting, some fucking people, end quote, while staring out into the crowd. Next week, Radiohead are due to take the station Tel Aviv, Israel. The performance has drawn controversy from Palestinian activists who've called for a cultural boycott of Israel until Palestinians are granted greater equality under Israeli law. A group of musicians, including Roger Waters, Thurston Moore, and TV on the radio's Tood and... Fuck, I'm going to mess up your name. Tune Abedbimpe recently signed an open letter calling on Radiohead to cancel the concert. And last night, a protest was held during Radiohead's concert at the TRNSMT Festival in Glasgow, Scotland. Activists from Glasgow's Palestine Action, Glasgow Palestine Solidarity Campaign, and Radiohead fans for Palestine demonstrated outside of the festival prior to the band's performance. Once they took the stage, they were met by the sea of Palestinian flags and signs. Radiohead frontman Tom York appeared agitated by the protesters. According to fans in attendance prior to the band's performance of Mixomitosis, he repeatedly exclaimed, Some fucking people. While staring out into the crowd, he also caught was caught giving the middle finger. Uh, it's unclear whether either action was in response to the protesters, but he previously voiced his annoyance over the uproar, quoting, I'll be totally honest with you, this has been extremely upsetting, York admitted in a recent interview with Rolling Stone. I don't agree with the cultural ban at all. York also noted how offensive the boycott is to Radiohead guitarist Johnny Greenwood, who is married to an Arab Jew. Mm. And imagine how upsetting that is that has been this uh, with this out there just to assume that we know nothing about this just to go and throw the word apartheid around and think that's enough it's fucking weird it's just such an extraordinary waste of energy energy that could be used for something more positive 
As for now, Radiohead is still scheduled to perform at the concert scheduled to take place in Park Hyarkon on July 19th. The band will be joined by the Jewish Arabic band Dudu Tassa and the Kuwaitis. Uh, this is again at a pitchfork.net. Interesting. Yeah, there's, depending on who you talk Sorry, to. Sorry, consequences then. Yeah, that's a heated um, subject right there. <laughs> In other heated news, oh. <laughs> Glastonbury just happened. Um, oh, yes, it did indeedy. I have not yet made it to that one, but... Um, Apparently, Jeremy Corbyn was there, and he was serving around at the workers' beer t- company tent. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awesome. Yes, hang out at the beer garden, please. And um, yeah, he was um, part. He was welcome to the festival. Um, they're calling him rock and roll star, Glasto's new hero, the man who might have been prime minister. The biggest Glasto crowd in living memory doesn't assemble for Radiohead or Ed Sheeran, but a 68-year-old from Islington, that's North London, Jeremy Corbyn's Saturday afternoon set on the Pyramid stage is, is the stuff of legend, taking place after a trip to the workers' beer company tent to serve up some socialist bites, <laughs> as 15 minutes will go down in Glastonbury history. Following an in- introduction from none other than Glasto Don Michael Avis, Corbin delivers a powerfully emotional speech touching on everything from the Grenfell Tower tragedy to racism to the importance of art. It cuts through even the harshest festival hangover to make you realize that a different, more compassionate way is possible. Corbin looks every inch a leader as he thanks the UK's young people for their support. Let's look to build a world of peace, human rights, justice, and democracy, he says as thousands yell in agreement. There can't be many politicians who've had their name chanted at a festival, but then Jeremy Corbyn isn't most politicians. He finishes up with a quote from poet Shelley, uh, and there's not a dry eye in the in the field. Rise like lions after slumber, an unvanquishable number. Shake your chains to earth like dew, which in sleep had fallen on you. Ye are many, they are few." The weekend's most powerful set. Number 10, he sees you. <laughs> like number 10, Downing Street. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all, I, that's all I had from the news. I have one more story. Uh, this one involving sure. uh, Fallout 4, which is a video, very popular video game. And I thought it was interesting because Dion, that singer from like the 50s, I want to say, 40s? No. 50s. Dion. Dion. Uh, Dion sues Fallout 4 developers for wrongful use of the song The Wanderer. His suit describes repugnant and morally indefensible images designated to appeal to young cus- consumers. Dion Dimushi. Dimucci. Dimucci. The frontman of the 1960s. Sorry. Wait, we went too far. Yeah, it was like... Uh, 1960s? Around, around, around. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dion in the Velmonts has taken legal action against video game publisher ZeniMax Media, the parent company of Fallout creators Bashida Softworks. He alleges that the 2015 television commercial for Fallout 4, a post-apocalyptic role-playing action game used his 1961 song The Wanderer without the singer's explicit approval of the ad's content. 
according to the California State District Court documents obtained by Polygon, both Cinemax and Dimushi had a contract in place that stipulated Dimushi's right of refusal in using the Wanderer, and he disagreed with the final product, as well as the entitlement to bargaining with Cinemax on the licensing fee and his demands that were not met. The lawsuit, which was filed last week, uh, claims that neither Dimushi's approval of final commercial nor his right to bargain with Zenimax were fulfilled. According to his lawyers, the singer's biggest issue was that the 2015 television ad was a repugnant and morally indefensible content. Quoting, defendants' commercials were object- uh, objectionable because they feature repeated homicides in a dark dystopian landscape where violence is glorified as a sport. The killings and physical violence were not pro- uh, to, were not to protect innocent life, but instead were repugnant and morally indefens- uh, indefensible images designated to appeal to young consumers. The suit went on to detail the narrative behind the, wander- the Wanderer and how it was wrongly represented by Zenimax. In The Wanderers, Dion gives life to the story of a sad young man, a sad young man who wanders from town to town, not having found himself or the capacity for enduring relationship. Hassan describes isolation during coming of age with, uh, without plaintiff's consent. Defendants dubbed the wanderer into commercials in which the protagonist, a wanderer, roams from one location to the next, armed and hunting his, for victims to slaughter. Oh. Dimushi is seeking damages in excess of one million and the association of his song, which moral which with the immoral images Sunny Max has yet to comment on this suit you can watch the trailer in question on the link below and this is at a pitchfork.com interesting I wonder how he found out about it do you think somebody was playing it and was like hey your songs (laughs) well I guess he did give them like permission to use it but he didn't like how they used it and that's that's where the loss is coming from he didn't he didn't really know that we're going to use it for a video game that was about a guy who wanders around from <laughs> town to town just killing for, you know, <laughs> to slaughter people, like as he said. Oh, so he's that kind of wonder. Okay. <laughs> according to... Round, around, around, yeah, around. According to the lawsuit, he didn't like how they used it. But oh, again, wow. then again, you should do your homework if you're going to get permission Let, to somebody yeah, use absolutely. your song. Yeah. Your artistic freedom. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's a bummer. Well, anyways, stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio.
I forgot all right, you had a right, fader. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, it's all been a couple weeks. right, Matthew McConaughey. Back in action. <laughs> and Alex is here from The Overlook. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. Feeling comfortable? I'm feeling as comfortable as I can, sure. Jolly today? <laughs> Jolly today. <laughs> Jolly today. I learned Jolly, something Jolly, yeah. <laughs> yep. You learn something new every day, Shep. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about The Overlook and what you've been working on recently. Right on. Um, the Overlook is a band that uh, had played together uh, quite a while ago um, in Dallas when uh, a friend of mine, Jason Baber, and myself, who are both um, uh, from the Wichita Falls area in North Texas, uh, we had moved into the Dallas area and started playing music with um, with another friend of ours, uh, who is a uh, an artist in Dallas. Um, he had just moved into the Dallas area, and um, and so we had all had started playing music together, and we pretty much played one show um, and stopped practicing and dispersed. And uh, it was always uh, we should, um, what if. Uh, and uh, just never, never made it happen. Um, and then Jason Baber and I cut a two-song demo where we recorded North Texas Sun and Shit That Don't Matter. And Love the title. Mm-hmm, yes. And, uh, and we um, recorded it with Jason Mabry, the gentleman who later on would uh, record the full album. And... We uh, we just wanted to we, we didn't really have we, we wanted to play, but it was just the two of us writing songs and playing together. And I had been writing for a long time, but never had the motivation really to, to get up and make it a full um, gig. And then I had moved out to California and um, that definitely seemed like it wasn't going to happen again. And finally, I honestly had become fed up with my job. I had become fed up with um, uh, kind of just everything I was doing in general. And I called up uh, both guys and I said, hey, look, I think it's a good idea that we record a full uh, album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a good idea to pursue music um, seriously and um, with motivation and dedication and commitment. And um, and we, we went ahead and did that. And I started... Uh, about a year and a half process of saving up and planning and and making it happen so so now it's just everything that's come together um of all all of that just really being together and us um knowing that we want to play music together um even with time and uh space and um you know not living together being in the way of that yeah because these these other guys that you're working with are they still in? They live in Dallas. In Dallas. Um, Justin Locklear is a very very talented, um, very accomplished uh, artist uh, who lives in Dallas. He works. Um, uh, he's uh, a resident artist director at a theater in Dallas called the Ochre House, which mm. is spectacular. And um, Jason Baber uh, is one of the smartest guys I know. Um, living and working in Dallas and uh, so they both still reside out there and I'm out here um, just trying to see what I can do what brought you out to Cali um, so I have a uh, a childhood friend that I grew up with 
that I've known since about 96 mm-hmm. and um, his wife uh, had been laid off of a job in Dallas mm-hmm. and we were very close in Dallas we had lived they lived in Austin I used to go visit them in Austin and she looked all over for jobs when she got laid off and she got a job in San Francisco. Imagine that. Sure. Yeah. And originally they said, you should move to San Francisco. And I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) Are you crazy? Yeah, uh, I really did. I thought it was uh, ridiculous. Um, I also really loved Texas at the time Um, and, uh, and still have a soft spot for it, but I really loved Texas and just couldn't see myself living anywhere else. Um, but I also really was at that time very unhappy with my situation too. So a couple months later, I hit him up and said, "I think I'll I think I'll move to San Francisco." Oh, okay. So took advantage of that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very and good. and I've really loved it ever since. Good. Yep. Glad to have you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. If people want to find out more about the Overlook, is Bandcamp the right place to check? Bandcamp is the right place to check. It's the overlook.bandcamp.com. Um, Not and, in the UK, Dallas. Right. And yeah, in <laughs> Dallas, Texas. It's a little confusing right now. I'm never sure where to say where we're from um, because uh, I am hoping that maybe there's a following in both areas. Um, but, uh, but I am the one doing most of the um, uh, exposure and everything. So most of it's coming from San Francisco, but it's listed as being out of Dallas. Right. And are you planning any live performances here or over there at some point? Full band, nothing is planned right now. And actually, I don't have any shows coming up. Um, I just recently played uh, played all, the the whole album and um, and about five or six other songs that uh, I've wrote since the album has um, been released mm-hmm. um, at Bazaar Cafe. Oh, yeah. Uh, just a... Where's that on California? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, Les, the owner there, great dude, um, was really great, and I had a great time there. Um, I've played at um, uh, Heart Baker also oh, um, on Clement. I love Heart Baker. Yeah, super. Uh, they've got a great open mic also. Um, but full band here in San Francisco. I've been trying to put a band together to play this album, uh-huh. um, and uh, and I've made some headway on that. Um, other than that, I've had people contact me about playing in Dallas, but just uh, after speaking with um, uh, after speaking with Jason. Um, we we just decided it probably wasn't worth the uh, the the time and money right now yeah. to be, go out there and play. Could be pricey, flying yeah. back and forth. Yeah, you know we we were really proud just to make um, the product and have the product out and be able to put something out there um, mm-hmm. that has our name and everything we put into it mm-hmm. um, within it. And uh, any playing afterwards, it, it was really an afterthought. We we didn't really didn't really think about it too much. Mm-hmm. So we we just had the goal of making a product for for ourselves more than anything. Yeah, it's good to have something to show people. Hey, look what I've done. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it feels good. It feels like a, a validation. Um, all the times you said you're a musician, and someone said. Uh, where where can I listen to your music? Prove it. Yeah, you yeah. know, but yeah, prove it. That's what people <laughs> want to know. Prove it. Yeah. And um, and and I never wanted, I never wanted to put anything out before that was, uh, 
halfway done. You know, I, I just, it didn't feel like that would be um, uh, the correct way to show what I wanted to do to anyone. So now we've got that and, and we're really happy with it. And like I said, so playing live, we, we do want to do it and I'd like to do it um, with a band out here, but, uh, but I'd like it to happen on its own time. Right. This happened very organically and with planning and, and um, everything going into that. And I think that's the same way it will happen. Yep. And should we listen to a song from Justin Neferope? Sure, I'd love to. Um, Which song shall we choose? I normally like to, uh, I normally like to play North Texas Sun. Um, it's always been the one... that I like. I've got to get out of town for this one. Get out fast as can be Cause when they see what I have done it'll be too late to run and they'll be throwing ropes over for me for me for me they'll be
But how that song came to be, North Texas Sun. That song, I jotted down at work one day uh, some of the lines, um, I've got to get out of town uh, before this one, um, uh, get out, you know, before anyone sees. I kind of jotted down more of an idea, um, like I got to get out of town, um, I got to get out before uh, anyone finds me, before um, they hang me, basically. And uh, and and then the guitar part, the uh, the solo, was the um, other part that I put together with this song, and it was it was really simple chords. I. I had the whole thing arranged in my head before we even went in to do the demo, and I sat down with uh, with Jason, the the drummer, the other guy who's been involved in the project with me, and um, just had it all ready to go. But but really, it was it was just from a time where it, it seemed like every time I woke up or every time um, I turned around, I uh, I felt really guilty about something I had done, um, or uh, or the night I had had out and, um, and I just couldn't escape, uh, anyway. And so it just felt like, uh, like I was going to get caught, you know, any, any which way I turned, it <laughs> felt like I was going to get caught and like I was going to be found out. Um, but I really loved once I had wrote it, I just really fell in love with, uh, um, and I left a note for the sheriff, um, you know, telling him that I hope he has fun, because uh, I'd left the bodies about six miles east to rot in the North Texas sun. I just, um, it kind of summed up, you know, well, if, if I feel this way, it was almost like a um, tossing caution um, to the wind at that point. At that point in my life, I had just said, whatever, this is what I'm doing. And I'd, I'd thrown it all up in there. And so... It, You're going to go on a killing spree? Uh, I was going <laughs> somewhere with it. I, in, in, maybe maybe not a lot of other people involved in the killing spree, but <laughs> yeah, I was, I was definitely on a killing spree. So. <laughs> and then you ended up on this side of the country. Exactly. Now yeah. it all makes sense. Sure. <laughs> yep. Who would you say are your biggest musical influences? 
Um, musical influences when I actually get around to recording music, um, I become actually more surprised by it. I, what I think I want to sound like um, is probably more of a uh, of an outlaw country sound. Uh, I'd like it to be more of a um, of a David Allen Coe, Waylon Jennings, um, uh, a uh, a Hank Three, um, not so much uh, the other ones, but more of the uh, the edgy um, rock and roll, you know, heavy rock with the country um, country uh, effects on it. But but I don't end up sounding like that. I end up sounding like um, early 2000s uh, alternative music. And I, I don't necessarily mean to do that on purpose. I think it's just that uh, that's when I listened to a lot of um, new music when I was uh, in high school. And and that ends up being what, what I sound like. And, mm-hmm. and also I know that um, Jason, um, that that's a lot of the music when we first met that we were listening to. Mm-hmm. And so even when I tried to write a, uh, a, a, a country um, influenced song, like a, a ballad, right? Well, it was somewhat, um, I mean, uh, center of the universe uh, on this album. I, I really had this thought of it being a very country um, sad, sappy, uh, bar, um, you know, crying on your bar stool, uh, song, but also almost like everyone rejoicing together on their bar stool. And it ended up sounding more like a, uh, a brand new or say anything, um, kind of song. And I didn't really mean for that to happen, <laughs> but, but that's what happens with a lot of my songs. What I want them to sound like, what I want to be influenced by, um, is one thing, and then it sounds like I'm influenced by something else. Uh, even with the song we just played, mm-hmm. um, the the engineer uh, Jason Mabry, who recorded it, he when we first did the demo, he said it's like stadium rock. You know, he said he said it's like big stadium rock, and I re- remember thinking, yeah, maybe like more like shoegaze. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot but, of different influences. That's good. Yeah, I I, I hope <laughs> I hope people hear a lot of different influences. And how did you meet the other guys that you made the album with? How did you? Yeah, I met Jason Baber. Um, I was probably still in high school, um, and I met him through the local uh, scene, you know, um, the local rock scene. Um, then I guess it was just called scene because we were all scene kids. Oh, um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, but no, we were we were kids going to shows, um, and he played in a lot of metal bands. He was a drummer and uh, played a lot of uh, you know like speed metal and um, screamo. Yeah, <laughs> back uh, then definitely. Um, and then I met. That's where I met Jason Baber. But then um, I had moved to Dallas. I hadn't seen him for quite a while. Um, And I had moved to Dallas. And I guess I just had found out he was in Dallas or through social networking saw he was in Dallas. But he was living in a suburb just north of Dallas. And um, we were always good friends, always had a good time together. So told him to hang out. And we just never stopped hanging out. And he was... Um, still is one of my closest friends, but for many years there in Dallas was one of my best friends. Um, and we, 
we, you know, runned and gunned and uh, <laughs> did everything together, uh, and, and including playing music, seeing music, everything, making friends. And then Justin Locklear uh, had gone to school at Baylor in Waco, and he had moved to Dallas about the time that I was living in the Dallas Metroplex, but I didn't move to Dallas yet. But my sister is a professional actress in Dallas, and he is an actor in, um, he was uh, an actor, he, he still is a professional actor, um, an artist in Dallas. And um, I would go to parties at my sister's house. Mm -hmm. And I met this dude who was just, his personality was over the top. And um, he was very... <laughs> I, you couldn't you just couldn't look away he was so nice and so fun to be around mm -hmm. and um more than once we ended up the party going on and him and i in the corner uh playing guitar and saying no no no, show me that part again no show me that part again while everyone else was having their fun and uh and so we we tried to play music for a long time together and even even this was the most amount of music we've really got to play together in a long time and um, it's kind of insatiable working with him. He's so talented, and you still think, "How can I? How can I get his time? You know, to <laughs> play more music with him." Just tangle the carrot in front of his nose. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of carrots <laughs> tangled in front of his nose. Uh, he's very, he's very well, talented, very talented. That's good. Are they still making? Are they making music with other projects? Um, like yes. Right so Justin Locklear, like I said, he um. He is involved with, he is a resident artist director at uh, the Ochre House Theater in Dallas, Texas. And they uh, write their own plays. Um, everything's very in-house. And um, he works with many musicians, local musicians there, um, writing their own original scores and own original <laughs> music. It's very interesting. Yeah. If Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and he also does music along with... Uh, it is the Daniel Giorgio. Um, uh, I'll be real embarrassed if I pronounce her last name wrong, but it's the DGDG dance outfit, I think is what it's called. And I know he does music for them also. Um, and she is a, an extremely talented uh, um, artist, dance director um, there in Dallas. And she is choreographer. Choreographer. Sure, but she's uh, she's way more talented than I mean that she's great. Um, You're saying she's better than you. Oh, she yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, when it comes, she's done far more yeah uh, than than I ever have. Um, and so he still does music with those projects. I know that. And then um, Jason Baber, uh, I don't believe he's doing anything formal right now, but. Uh, but I know he was still writing when we first finished up the, when we first finished up the album, uh, I had turned him on to some music and he would hit me up every now and then saying, uh, hey, I think I have some new wave inspired stuff. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. All right. Interesting. Sure. Should we listen to another track from Just Enough Rope? Um, sure. Let's do, um, so this is one of the tracks that is wrote by... Uh, Justin Locklear, um, and uh, it has a very, um, a very more like uh, fun single sound to it. Okay. So. I can dig it.
this life should mean And the news keeps flooding in The world is good, the world is bad The world don't know why it feels so sad We just don't know where to begin Sometimes the clouds roll Sometimes the air is thin 
intestine? No, it's uh, pork. Isn't it? It is? It is intestine, though. Well, no, tripe is the, the stomach. Cow? But is it cow oh, pork? Or maybe it's, it's not lamb. Intestine. I don't know which animal. It's, it's something. <laughs> it's something's intestine. Yeah. That's all we know. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. Yummy. Bon appetit, as they say. So tell us why you're going to cut the world in half. Um, well, like I said, Justin Locklear actually wrote that song. Um, and it, it, uh, it fit with the, the album. Um, and uh, I really loved the song when uh when i heard it um and i think mostly he you know it starts out saying um i've been staring at the screen wondering what this life uh, uh should mean and um and it really fit uh right there in the middle of the album kind of with uh a little bit of a a little bit of a character um curve that was going on with the album and and kind of right in the middle having um, you know, cutting the world in half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also having uh, this confusion because the rest of the album, uh, if it wasn't already a bit of a dark album to start with, um, kind of goes downhill. And, uh, and so it was a good spot to say whether or not the world is, um, whether or not it knows that uh, it's okay or it's not okay, that, uh, that it is um, divisive. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's just the way it's gonna be. So, but I just really loved um, the song, and he puts so much. Uh, his singing is so beautiful, and he puts puts so much of himself into it. When I listen to it, I listen to to his singing, and I it just feels very authentic. And what instrument instrumentation do you provide? So um, I provide the guitars, all the guitar tracks, and all the bass tracks. Um, on all of the songs Um, and then five of the songs out of the seven um, are my own songs Um, and as in I wrote them Um, and then that song was wrote by Justin Locklear uh, that's cut the world in half and then shit that don't matter is wrote by Jason Baber and Jason arranged his own song um, and I arranged uh, the version that's on Justin Locklear's because I think he used it in a play mm-hmm. um, uh, pretty soon after um, we were recording it. And and yeah, and then I did a little bit of percussion at the end of the album because we had a, a pretty pretty big percussion piece at the end of the album. But I was uh, guided and arranged by Jason Baber. And Jason plays keys... Um, on his song, Justin plays keys um, on Cut the World in Half. Uh, so they, they did more than... It, it was a big team effort. That's awesome. And where do you see the project going in the future? So in the future, um, as of now, uh, my immediate goals uh, are to find... I would like to find musicians here in San Francisco. Uh, I have a lead guitarist that I've been playing with uh, for a couple months now. Um, And we were playing with uh, a drummer for a little while also. I would like to put a band together to play this album um, live around the area or around the Bay Area. But but I would like to to play it um, out here with my own band, um, with my own band that I make. 
Um, it's all yours. Sure. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, a little bit of control. <laughs> um, and uh, there is a part of me that would like to go back to Dallas, maybe plan something, go to Dallas, hire some musicians to come fill in the pieces um, that we would need to play a full band. But uh, I think there is a part of me that feels like to really put uh, an end marker on the whole project that we should play in Dallas kind of to where our friends and families um, are. Um, but also, uh, as I mentioned before at Bazaar Cafe, I played five or six songs that were um, brand new um, that I'd wrote. Well, one of them isn't brand new, but they, they're all new songs since the album uh, was recorded. And um, I wouldn't mind, I've been thinking a lot lately about uh, already going back into the studio and recording um, an EP, recording a seven inch um, and releasing that. I just, uh, I'm not sure what I wanna do um, if I want to keep on just producing music and, and creating all this music that I have to distribute or if I need to be um, doing more of a fan-based um, direction with it and making sure that I have people actually purchasing the music it's it's a difficult area that I find myself in between when I wonder and uh, am I doing this because I really like producing the music I really like yeah. seeing the hard copies it's it's fun to see the vinyl and the jacket and to pull it out and put it on your turntable um, I I listen to my own music um, you know I really do I, I have it on my headphones sometimes when I'm riding my bike um, but I also am slightly resigned to the fact that I understand that I can only do that so long if uh, if no one is purchasing that music um, or if no one has any interest in it um, so uh, but I have to I guess muster up a little more care that someone should also care about the music yes so. you want to put it out there and you have it on Bandcamp I have it on Bandcamp, so right. Um, so yeah, you can purchase vinyl on Bandcamp. You can uh, purchase the digital copies on Bandcamp. You can listen on Bandcamp. Um, you can look at a picture of us on Bandcamp. <laughs> you can see all <laughs> kinds of things on Bandcamp. Sure, yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for stopping on by. Um, I think we have time for one more song. Right on. Um, well, I played... Let's see. Um, so I will play... Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to play... At least you have options. Uh, I do. Uh, let's go with... Um, I'll go with Center of the Universe. I talked about it um, the most beforehand. This is the one that I kind of wanted to be a little more country, and it ended up a little more... Uh, Stadium rock. No, a little <laughs> more like... Uh, unfortunately, the word might be like uh, emo. <laughs> oh, okay. There we go. But, uh, yeah. This is going to be good. Early 2000s, there we go. <laughs> I'm on the tip of everybody's tongue I'm sure they're talking about
had this problem. What the heck's going on? Yeah, okay, well, do you think you'd have too much of trouble if we got rid of our sideburns? At your earliest convenience. Well, I know you said that before, but do you think Bruce of mine? This is Bruce Pappas. And Bruce, I mean, okay, can we have our drummer back, Bruce? Bye. <laughs>
I'm on a train But there's no one at the helm And there's a demon in my brain Who starts to overwhelm I just got bitch smacked by uh, my earphones. Um, sorry, my headphones. These Your are headphones. my headphones. Well, at least we have headphones at work. Woohoo! Yes. Uh, so so was, what did we listen to? That was Third Eye Blind from their self-titled debut mm-hmm. album, and songs called Narcolepsy. <laughs> 
And then before that was the Smashing Pumpkins from Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, 33, because I'm, you know. Looking at, yeah. Two more years. (laughs) Uh, Before that was Soundgarden. I think it's a live album. Sub, Sub Pop Rock City. And the album's called Screaming Life slash Fop. And um, earlier, before uh, Alex came in from The Overlook, The Monkees, with Me and Magdalena. And before that was The Kinks uh, from their self-titled debut, Beautiful Delala. And uh, yeah, we had Alex from The Overlook. And he... um, we learned shout out to his dad for listening. Shout out to his dad, who's freaking awesome. And he's from Dallas, which I, we didn't know. We learned about some Texas slang up in here. <laughs> and also, uh, coming up next, we have my interview with Brown Mark, who is one of the original members of The Revolution. And they're going to be playing two shows next week. One of them's already sold out. They're playing at the Fillmore. So if you haven't got your tickets, get them quick because the second one's probably going to sell out as well. Mm-hmm. That's my thought. It's kind of, he said, you'll hear in the interview, it's kind of a therapy session for Prince fans, you know, people who grew up listening to him, people who love his music. And it was just, I didn't really know what, you never really know what to expect, you know, talking to, you know, somebody who, you know, grew up with Prince. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they didn't grow up together, but in a way Work. they kind of did. Uh, yeah, he tells, definitely. I asked him to tell the story about how they met, and it's very heartfelt, and um, hope you guys enjoy it. And I think we might want to play this the CD player first, because there's a little bit of stuff going on Technical here. things. But stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio. Purple City, you know, I don't want to 
be able to, yeah, give them that experience, you know, not only a concert, not only the meet and greets, but also an after party where they can come out. They're going to meet uh, uh, members of uh, MPG. They're going to meet, uh, hopefully I'm trying to get Maserati, Maserati members to fly out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll be there, of course, and there will be other other people that pop in show up. So it's going to be a fun time, you know, in the spirit of a Prince after party, same kind of thing. That's why we call it house quake. Definitely. And I remember mm-hmm. the last, um, lot of shows that he did here. He also had an after party. So that was exactly. something that you guys did on the regular. Exactly. What kind of material can people expect to hear at the after party or um, a, a full variety, and you know, um, of course, Revolution. We're going to play Revolution, Prince and Revolution material at, mm-hmm. at the at the uh, concert. But um, the after party will be more of a broad range. Um, you know, the later stuff, the NPG, um, some earlier prints. Uh, the, the band is pretty. You know, they're, they're, they're Levi Caesar is a local there, um, and so you know he plays he plays a broad range of, of material, you know, Prince cover material. Um, mm-hmm. and that's why I chose him to to come and play with the party with me, and then I'll get on stage and you know we'll we'll jam on a few things. I don't know what at this point, but when <laughs> when I get there, we'll figure it out. Yeah, you know. I guess that's the fun part too, not knowing what to expect. That's yeah, the magic of a live show, right? It's, it's exactly. almost incentive for people to go because they might you might play a song that you haven't played live in twenty, thirty years. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, and you know, again, it's 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 just a party, and so it's more of uh, you know. You never know. We could hit James Brown and be flat. I mean, you just don't know where we'll go with it. Um, but the cool thing is, uh, I do know we're gonna we're gonna have a little Q and A where we're gonna let the audience ask a few questions. Because me and Levi, oh. we've been together. Me and him, we had been with Prince for years, and then we even crossed paths on my Motown album, where um, he helped me, Prince helped me, and. So there's a lot of lot of history there with me and Levi, and so we're going to let the uh, audience ask us a few questions, you know, which is going to be nice as well. Yeah, that's so. that's amazing. You don't really mm-hmm. get that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wish yeah. I had that opportunity, but a lot of times that's something that you know only you and I would have that opportunity yeah. to do that. Exactly. Um, Pretty amazing. And tell me, how can people find out more about uh, the revolution and about you in particular on the internet? Well, um, the the easiest way to find us is on Facebook or um, Twitter, mm-hmm. or even uh, we have the uh, uh, we have our uh, well, I can't think. Instagram. <laughs> too many of them. Yeah. Too many social media. Um, but that's mainly, you know, if you just want a quick find, or you could go to the actual venue 
their website, you know, you can get information there. But I always, I always send people to our Facebook page. It's um, The Revolution Music. So it's facebook.com forward slash The Revolution Music. And it will take you to our page on Facebook. And then right, right when you hit the page, you know, it has kind of a listing of uh, where we're going, uh, where we're playing, uh, what we've been doing, interviews, you name it. Um, mm-hmm. On the left-hand column, you got tour dates, events, you know, so people can find out where we're at, what we're doing right on our own page. And then um, I also have, there's the Brown Mark uh, Nation page, which is facebook.com forward slash official brown mark fan page and uh like the revolution page i i post everything you know i post what i'm doing when i'm doing it how when where (laughs) (laughs) all that fun stuff there's no reason to be left out of out of the loop pretty much exactly exactly And um, for these two upcoming shows at the Fillmore are going to be really exciting. Have you played the Fillmore in the past? Oh, yeah. Uh, don't ask me when. It's been too many years. But I've definitely played the Fillmore before. Um, and, you know, we were pretty excited, you know, because I lived in San Francisco for 10 years. Nice. Um, I, just, I just moved in December. Uh-huh. I, just, I just moved out to Atlanta. But I had been there, and when I found out we were playing Fillmore, I, I, you know, I said, "Oh, watch, watch that one. That one's going to be like a Minnesota show, and because mm-hmm. San Francisco, they, they love them some Prince." And uh, yeah, the minute it went on sale, it was sold out in an hour, nice. and uh, so they had to add a second show, which you know, the Fillmore's going to be a nice show. It's going to be nice. Absolutely. It's not too, it's not like an arena, and it's not really, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a club, but it's a little bit bigger than that, but it does exactly. have a really good, you know, feel for it. It's very personal. And, yes. You know, the bands are right there. And, and that's our choice. Thing. Yeah, oh, that's great. what we want. We want the intimacy. We don't want the big arena thing right now. It's just not what we're about. This is closure for the fans. This is closure for the grieving Prince fans who need mm-hmm. somewhere to land, you know, because it was a shock mm-hmm. to all of us, his passing. And some people are still dealing with that heavy grief, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the whole reason we're on tour is to help with that. You know, we, we were there with him. We were there mm-hmm. building that rocket ship, you know, to the moon the stratosphere, you know, I mean, we helped build that pinnacle of his success in the mid-80s with Purple Rain and Around the World in a Day and Parade. And So when you come see us, you're going to get the same energy, the same feeling that you had back in 1985, 84, 83. Uh, it's the same thing. And uh, the nice thing about it is you'll be, what it's done to a lot of lot of the fans is it's helped them to move on it's helped them to land and uh, I, I really love it when they they uh, express that you know in emails and letters they tell us every day 
that that was such a healing. Thank you so much for coming, and that's what drives us to keep doing it because of the appreciation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. uh, shared or group therapy session. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's what it is, and, that, and that's kind of how we we designed it as well. You know, even with the the audiences, how we have them sing along with what we're doing. Because um, it's amazing, and they sing every word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if I forget words, I mean, I I just listen to them. They just come right through with it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, they're, um, so. they're like a backing band, they're backup singers. Yeah, they're, they're, that's exactly, they're, they're like the lead singer. That's, that's what they are, you know. And what was it like your first meeting with Prince? How did you two crowd pass? Well, that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> you know, I've told this story a billion times, but it's the old yeah. pancake story. Um, I was a cook in a pancake house. Uh, town Crier Seafood Cake and Steakhouse. I was about 15 years old and kind of young to be a cook, but, you know, I was a cook. And um, he came in because he was dating the waitress, Kim Upshur. Uh-huh. And uh, she had run over to me and she said, oh, my God, you got to make make this order. You got to make it really good. And I was like, why? <laughs> and I knew she was dating him. And I was like, oh, my God, is he out there? Is he out there? And I'm, like, looking over the counter because I was shorter and you could barely see over the counter. I'm jumping up and down, and I see this big old afro sitting out there in the, in the restaurant. I said, oh, man, that, that's got to be him. And um, made the pancakes. Uh, I was a nuisance, make a long story short. <laughs> that, that, was my first, that was my first encounter with him. And then a few years later, it's very funny because yeah. I, I brought it up to him at a rehearsal. I said, you remember the pancake house we came to with Kim? And he said, yeah, I remember that. She used to work there. I said, remember that, that little uh, that nuisance of a cook that was always bouncing up and down trying to get your attention? He said, he just looked at me. I said, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear, he hit the floor. He started laughing, a gut-wrenching laugh. It was just crazy. Yeah, we got a good laugh. Oh, very good. I always love hearing this story. How did it all happen? How did it come together? Yeah. And, and obviously, it was a very memorable experience. Yeah, yeah. It was the start of a really awesome relationship because... I always wanted to be like him. Uh-huh. You know, I had heard about him, but I was three years younger than him, and so I always aspired to be like him. I wanted to play all the instruments and do my own thing. And here I have the audition to actually play with him now, so that, that was pretty pretty freaky for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Real, real life experiences. Totally. Very surreal. Would you, would you say that you personally and the revolution were influenced by San Francisco musicians such as Blystone, Jimi Hendrix, kind of a, the 60s totally. kind of deal? Totally. 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 And, and that really had an influence on your, your live shows as well, and mm-hmm. kind of incorporating a lot of different styles of music, funk, uh, rhythm and blues. 
Scooter Music Revolution. That's exactly where the name of the revolution came from. You know, it was a music revolution. We were we were determined to break down the barriers of race. It's black, white, Puerto Rican, everybody just a freak, and that's what Prince wanted to do, and we helped him accomplish that. And that's what it was about. You know, let's break down these barriers. You know, a lot of people don't realize when, when I was coming up, I couldn't even get in the club because of the color of my skin. So, yeah, it's it's a lot has changed since then, and a lot of that is You know, we can contribute to our efforts uh, in helping change that. You know, Michael Jackson did the same thing. You know, had to break down walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, paving paving the road was, I guess you yeah. could do for yeah. today's artist. As Prince <laughs> says, blazing new trails. There you go. <laughs> Put the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And again, you're going to be playing July 11th and July 12th at the Fillmore. Are both of those shows are both are both of those shows already sold out? Um, the, I know the first one is the second one. I haven't, I just haven't followed it. I would mm-hmm. assume, uh, most, most venues, they'll, they'll block out a certain section for walk-ups. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure there's a small amount of tickets left, but I, I can't imagine too many. Mm-hmm. So anybody wants to catch that show, I, they, they would be smart to get down there and grab what they can, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And any, you know, especially seeing you guys in a venue like the Fillmore, mm-hmm. they better, you know, pay up. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, what it is is we, we, you know, it's bittersweet. You know, we want it, we want everybody to be able to come out and, 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 and celebrate this music with us. But at the same time, you know, how do you grieve with an arena? I mean, we, we, we had to keep it small and quaint, you know, so that we could actually feel their presence and they could feel us. And that's how it works. So it's unfortunate that only, you know, a couple thousand people can, can get into that. But, you know, there will be later dates where we'll, we'll do a little bigger arena or a smaller arena, bigger capacity. And we'll be able to fit more people in as the, the word gets out there. Because it is getting out there. It's getting more and more difficult for us to book now the smaller venues because so many, the demand is becoming very high for us to come to specific cities. So, yeah. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, and what was it like more switching gears and more relating to you in particular, what was it like being involved with Motown? Motown was a very interesting, very fun time for me, but but I learned so much about the industry uh, when I was with Motown. Um, You you know, I I, I never really wanted to be a solo artist. I, I only wanted to be a producer. Uh, and produce other groups. That's kind of what I did for Motown. I, mean, I produced people. I wrote music. I had a publishing deal with them. And, um, and I kind of got pushed into the being a an artist. 
because I had, you know, the popularity. So it's like, hey, you know, come on, you can do this. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of jumped into the artist side of it, even though that wasn't my thing. Um, but it was a good experience for me because it helped me to understand how the red tape, how the, the uh, politics in the industry work. Lots of red tape, I mean, a lot of things you can and can't do. And it gave me a better understanding on, um, you know, how to maneuver myself through the industry. So I, I, I appreciated Motown, I really did. Um, got to meet Stevie Wonder, Smokey Robinson, wow. hung out with Barry Gordy, uh, Benny Medina was good dear, dear close uh, associate of mine. I mean, it's like, you know, all positive, positive effects came from Motown on my life. That's amazing. That's mm-hmm. something that you'll be able to tell people forever. Totally. I play, I was a sign of Motown. <laughs> yeah, not many yeah. people can say that. Hey, not many people got to sit in Barry Gordy's living room and our dining room and eat lunch and eat lunch with him under the waterfall. Right. That's yeah. pretty inspiring. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome. That's great. Well, thanks mm-hmm. so much for taking the time today to speak with me. Yeah. Will we get to meet you in San Francisco? Yeah. I would, I would love to go to one of the shows at the Fillmore and then the after party again. That's going to be at DNA Lounge yes. on July 12th. Yes. I'd love to meet up with you guys. I mean, it's kind of amazing. And, and, hey, uh, you know what? We're sending that invitation. You know, just let Melissa know, and, and, you know, she'll take care of it all. So, uh, you're definitely going to be a guest. I guarantee you, you'll be blown away. (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, I did see Prince and keep up. Oh, that was a great interview, I have to say. Um, That was Brown Mark, who is one of the original members in The Revolution. And they're going to be playing two shows at the Fillmore, July 11th and July 12th. I believe July 11th is already sold out. And then July 12th, they're doing an after party at the DNA Lounge. So you want to prepay, pre-buy your tickets for that through the website. And it was a pleasure to interview him and learn about, you know, how it all, how it all came together. I, if you would have asked me a week ago and I said it during the interview, I was like, I didn't think this would ever happen. Yeah. But um, it was funny. I was trying to interview X because they're going to be at Burger Boogaloo and I've never had a chance to interview them. But sure enough, um, you know, here I am interviewing Brown Mark and... Um, Make sure that you check out those shows next week and also check out The Overlook. Um, some shows are in the, the works for that, I believe. And I believe next week we have The Welcome Mat. He's coming. Right. In. And he's really excited to, to come in. That one's been in the works for a couple of weeks. So you will want to stay tuned for that. And again, if you want to hear the podcast, um, you can hear it in about an hour or so. It should be up on the website if you missed my um, interview with Brown Mark. It was pretty amazing to do it, and it was amazing to hear it live on the air. So I guess this will be it.
This concludes our show. Goodbye. Uh, this is Sounds from the Streets. Stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio. Forms, you know, it can also do your taxes, and uh, sometimes it uh, looks like a cup. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, guys, I'll level with you. Okay, all right. It's 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 a prototype. What you need to do is you need to hook it up into your phone, and then we'll it will update it, and it'll become more than a dishwasher. Okay. All right. Uh, he's plugging it in right now. It still kind of looks like a. Wait, 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 wait. Plug it in right now. You need to put the batteries in, okay? Okay, I don't see how you expect us to buy a product that we can't test before. Uh, you know, it's bad. Uh, it's a uh, uh, buyer beware. No, you don't. I wish I had Dad arms. said we can't play with the gauntlets because they're for self-defense. Guys, come at me. Come at me. I'm going to defend myself with these gauntlets. I can attack you with my teeth. No, don't do it. People, the, people don't kill people. Gauntlets kill people. No, no, people with gauntlets kill people. <laughs> yeah, but it's... Ah! Conceiving it. Yes. Yeah. Carry on. 